true stories of history's forgotten detectives from across the 20th century. This is Duotang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater! Dearest Diary, today's theme, Serendipity. For years I'd paced the stacks of Cambridge Library with utter contentment, but it had come to resemble that of a caged peacock. And serendipitously, this is when I received one of the strangest telegrams of my storied career. The sender identified himself as Joshua Carmichael, an Alabaman prospector who'd attended my lecture series, Our Mathematical Responsibility to Our Lessers. Your knack for reducing economic theorem to layman's terms stuck first in my craw, but then in my mind, sir, for I've need of such an educated educator stop. Do won't you join my expedition of prospect to the virgin shoals of a nameless island smack dab in the mid-Atlantic stop? There I guarantee adventure, intrigue, and the spoils of a land unspoilt stop. A privately chartered vessel shall be awaiting your decision upon Cambridge Harbor to ensure a speedy transatlantic voyage, comfortable and non. Stop. My curiosity and wanderlust peaked in parallel. Knowing tenure would protect my unexpectedly absent position, Ephiakus and I immediately boarded the Girdled Queen. After an uneventful, if uncivilized, sea voyage, we found ourselves deposited on the white sands of a tropical paradise. Professor Alls, well, sir, it is, sir, an honor, sir. Uh, now, what's all this dog? Uh, stow away from the boat? Shall I find something with which to shoot upon it? Uh, oh, no, this is Ophiacus, and it would be most agreeable if we could refrain from shooting him. Are you sure? Uh, these natives are a treat with the bow and arrow. In fact, Satara, come introduce yourself. Alls, this is my translator. Nice to meet you. Mr. Carmichael's told us all about you. Oh, has he? Oh, yeah. Well, he was like, you lucky bastards. Last month you had nothing and now you get to learn culture from an Alabama prospector and a Cambridge professor. So we were like, oh, another visitor. Awesome. Well, I, I don't mean to... That is, I'm not here to try and... Professor, speaks slowly. She barely understands a word of English. That all probably went a mile over her adorable little noggin. It's just been a long couple months. Indeed. And on that point, Mr. Carmichael, you'll excuse the directness, but after two weeks of hard tack and its effect upon the bowels... I would very much like to know what exactly I'm doing here. Oh, now, where have I misplaced my manners? Of course, Professor, I... The boat! Call the boat back! Help! Help! Darling, please, we have company. Mr. Goodson, let it never be said that your wife doesn't make an entrance. Uh, Professor, might I introduce Clarence and Larissa Goodson, who accompanied me here as a tax write-off. <laughs> I mean, missionaries. <laughs> Goodsons, Professor C.H. Alls from Cambridge. Heavenly blessings of our eternal father cup you under the holiest of his many bosoms, Brother Arles. Yeah. My wife and I are acolytes from the Church of the Holy Lord. Running low on names, are we? Is that your boat? Hey, hey, friend. Call the boat back, huh? Friend? Larissa, please. You don't know what it's like here. There's bugs the size of your hand. Snakes the size of your arm. Monkeys that eat the snakes! We are doing God's work, and those are God's monkeys! Is that accurate, Sateri Serpents? Large as your arm? 
The monkeys get most of them. I bet there's all kinds of heathens on Madison Avenue that need converting. Now we both know that the Carmichaelians are our pressing concern, salvation-wise. Aren't you, Suteri? You sweet little godless so-and-so. Please, not now. No, no. Praised be his name. Go on. Say it. Say it. Maybe no. Yeah. I'm sorry, you said the Carmichaelians? Well, at last we have got ourselves someplace. Mr. Isles, us educated men know this gold thing is a fading fad, and everyone's wondering what's next. Well, I'll tell you. Turquoise, the next invaluable commodity in the markets of tomorrow. And Reginald Spiegel, geologist laureate of the U.S. of A, has predicted at me that we are now standing on the tectonic tent pole for turquoise, an island of our own discovering I've christened Carmichaelia. And you hoped I could do better? The only thing between us and them blue veins are these Carmichaelians, native claimants to this priceless land, a strange and stupid people. Professor, who... Man, I'm right here. As I was saying, a fascinating and complex people who blah blah words, things in an Alabama accent... He told me, dearest diary, that the Carmichaelians nearly drove themselves to extinction through civil dispute, culminating in the War of the Eyes, in which the color of one's iris arbitrarily selected one side in a battle, leaving only a handful standing... A new society was born of systemic logic to maintain peace. No Carmichaelian is now permitted to know the color of their own eyes. And should they ever discover it, they would be obliged to commit ritualistic suicide at the stroke of midnight. But as strange as their traditions were, they did truly seem to inspire peace. I've been up to my very nostrils trying to articulate the situation. I thought maybe the good sons couldn't steal a couple of charitable values so they let me burn down their village and dig for turquoise. Again, right here. But we've been here near two months. Fifty days. Fifty. Days. Five. Zero. Uh, with no progress. In fact, Clarence almost screwed the pooch the very day we got here, talking eye color in front of the whole village. The ultimate Carmichaelian faux pas. Oh, okay. All I said was it's surprising to see blue eyes in this part of the world. It's not like anyone died. I can still see the ship. Who wants to start a signal fire, huh? Big ol' raging, save us! Come along, dear. Carmichael brought me to the Carmichaelian's quaint village while Ceteria was, uh, led... To Bible study, I felt serenity in them, a sense of being culturally worn out from their violent past. Cold logic may rule them, but they were a warm and welcoming people. It appeared as though brown and blue was the majority of their fabled War of the Eyes. The survivors were now cleanly split. I counted fifty persons, half the village with brown eyes, the other fifty blue, though none were ever to know it. That afternoon, Carmichael and I sat in on one of the Goodson's theology lessons. And why do we not kill our fellow man, Sister Sateri? Because killing is a fundamentally destructive act to a community in defiance of social contract. No, Sister Sateri. No. We have been over and over. Killing people is not bad, but God will hit you if you do. You understand hit, yes? If God wasn't there to hit you, why, you'd probably kill everyone in this room. Mm, no. Yes, of course you would. We all would. I know I would. 
But we don't get to because we have a legal and moral obligation to the common. If you say common good again, God will look the other way for this one. That evening, we were brought to the tribe leader, Chief Habeas. As the sun set on this glorious day, he presented a great feast in honor of my arrival. Okay, everybody. <laughs> I'm really hungry, so I'm gonna make this super short. Um. Since, like, as far as I can remember right now, we lived here alone. And then, a couple months back, these three show up. Grace, <laughs> Jesus! Okay, man, maybe later. And, uh... Now, two months later, this guy shows up, too. And, and, and that's cool. Uh, everyone be nice to them. Nobody be a dick. Uh, now I'd like to diverge... From my prepared remarks. <laughs> Guys, that was a joke. Forget it. Okay, you know the shtick. Uh, never forget the dark times. Remember the rules. Keep the peace. Uh, especially the one about the chief serving himself first. Am I right? But seriously, don't find out what color your eyes are. Under a canopy of stars and with the crackling bonfire playing percussion to the haunting, mathematically precise chants of the Carmichaelians, Carmichael outlined his plans for me. So, Professor, have you formed an opinion of these brutes? I must say, Mr. Carmichael, there is a carefree contentment here I find enormously appealing. I wonder if you've read any literature espousing the noble savage. Bullpalky, burn your books and teach them some economics. Yeah. Supply and demand, that sort of thing? Yeah, like, how's about you supply them with some absurdly low asking price so I can demand they sell me their village? Yeah, but d dress it up a little, you know. I do wish you'd see them as more than an obstacle, Mr. Carmichael. There is something transcendent about this place. A synthesis twixt the logic of their law and the passion of their lives. It meaning what, Professor? Simply that a man might live here, Mr. Carmichael. A man might live. Nope. Monkey would get you. Now, if you'll excuse me, my monkey steak is probably medium rare by now. Local delicacy? Nope. Made it up. Oh, uh, Siteri? Oh, hey, Professor. Enjoying the feast? Very much. I'm humbled. Uh, what do you call this I'm eating? Corn. Quite. Mr. Carmichael has been filling me in on the history of your island. It's fascinating stuff. So tell me, if you were to catch your reflection today, see the color of your own eyes, you would actually kill yourself at midnight? Yeah, I would. I know the whole thing with the eyes is weird, but, well, it works. It's not about the fact of it, you know. It's the result. The rules are arbitrary. They're a reminder of how bad things got. It's just the form the pack takes. No one's ever had to kill themselves. And ever since the rules, we've been fine. Fine. I'll say one more time, because Chief Habeas is too nice to. We have been fine. Just Fine. Of course, I didn't mean to imply. I'm sure your lives are perfectly idyllic. You must spend each carefree day frolicking and drinking the bounty of nature in this untouched paradise. Right. We must. Uh, Siteri, since I arrived, I'll confess I've been feeling an increasing need to just 
apologize. For what? Um, Western civilization, I suppose? Hmm. Two things, Professor. First, thanks. Second, still not really doing it for me. We watched in silence as the sparks from the fire mingled with the stars in a way I was too tired to make a metaphor out of. I supposed at this point that asking to become an honorary member of their village was not in the cards. So I resigned myself to enjoying the cool breeze, the heat of the fire, and the knowledge that nothing deadly or terrifying could possibly happen that night. Duotang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater will be back after this. Turquoise, turquoise, turquoise. Got money? We got turquoise. Want a turquoise bracelet? We'll give you five. Want less? Too bad. Want more? No problem. Don't give in to diamond cartels. Turquoise is the real deal. Facts. Zero. Turquoise will never die. One. Turquoise can alter the future by changing the past. Ten. Turquoise operates in binary, making it Web 2.0 compliant with the supercomputers of tomorrow. Today. Facts. Gold is stupid. Don't get gold, idiot. Get turquoise. It's blue. And now, back to the show. Dearest Diary, Regretfully, I write to you from a small but sturdily built bamboo cage. At half past midnight this morning, I was roused from my bunk by a band of Carmichaelians with Sateri herself at the lead. They dragged me from my bunk to the village center in a manner most lacking in decorum. Hands off, you oafish brutes! You brutish oafs! I have tenure, you understand? Tenure! Sorry, Professor, you've been accused of breaking our oldest and most sacred law. What? What are you talking about? She said nothing, but the severity of the situation was soon made clear. The village center was littered with fresh corpses. Fifty corpses, for I had time to count. Their mortal wounds were consistent with Carmichaelian ritual suicide. Good gracious, but you cannot think that I... Wait, who is that cage for? Don't you put me in that cage! Naughty! Where is Ophiacus? Save me, Ophiacus! Well, I shan't go in the cage without my dog. The dog is no concept of right and wrong. He's innocent by definition. Tell that to my office carpet. Also, the cage is too small. Also, we're kind of in love with him. Nevertheless. Whatever. There now, boy. I wouldn't let them keep you and Daddy apart. I take it all back, Sateri. I don't apologize. You all need to learn about land transfer tax and the six-day work week so you can become productive members of society. They're left to rot out the rest of the night, dearest diary, and contemplate our fate. At first light, Mr. Carmichael appeared with Chief Habeas not far behind. Professor, branded cattle, man, what have they visited upon you? Chief, I will not abide my guests being caged in such a manner. Uh, yeah. I No, I feel bad. Uh, he's just sort of the prime suspect in kind of breaking our oldest and most sacred law. So we'll just get a deposition and do trial real quick this evening. Seven-ish. No rush. Now, now I was with the professor till he turned in. He did not break fooey. Right, right. But he got here yesterday and 50 people killed themselves last night. Correlation does not imply causation. Okay, okay. But 
I mean, bit of a coincidence there. Uh, making you the prime suspect seems logical. Don't worry, Professor. I'll have you out in a pinch. They just need a taste of American chutzpah. You and two missionaries against 50 jungle-hardened Carmichaelians? I appreciate the thought, but brute force is hardly an option. If you don't mind. If Icus and I would be alone. Yeah, chin up, Professor. I ain't heard no fat lady singing. Well, Ophiacus, another fine mess we've gotten ourselves into. I'll admit it looks grim. It would seem the only way we might convince them is... Well, that's just it, Ophiacus. We must beat them at their very game, and in so doing prove that a Cambridge education beats frolicking in loinclothery any day of the week. The hours passed slowly, dearest diary, but as my legs atrophied, my mind raced. When the town gathered alongside Carmichael and the Goodsons that evening, I was ready. All right, enough with the drums, man. It's in my brain. Uh, call the trial to order already. So, Terry, you're arguing sect lignum here broke our oldest law. Sect lignum? Your Carmichaelian name. It means stick insect. Yeah. I mean, I see it, but... Yeah. More importantly, Sateri, you're the accuser. How could you? I thought we were all friends. Friends? Oh, you know what? This is culture clash again. I guess in Cambridge, friend must mean someone who comes to your house unannounced, eats all your food, and tells you everything you own sucks? Well, now I don't want to be friends with you. It's fairly straightforward, Chief. Three outsiders arrive, nothing happens for like two months. Another outsider arrives, half the village kills themselves. Do I need to draw you a picture or what? Oh yeah, for sure. It's kinda A to B there. Seclignum? It's kinda A to B there, man. Does not look good. I agree, Chief Habeas. But if I may, Mr. Carmichael has explained to me your traditions regarding knowing one's eye color and ritual suicide. First, a query. Mr. Carmichael, Goodsons, remind me how long you... Fifty-one! Sorry. Fifty. One. Days. Fifty. Five. One. Days. Fifty. Indeed. Uh, Thank you for refreshing my memory. Now, I'd counted the number of corpses from my cage, but perhaps Chief Habeas would corroborate the number of victims. Fifty. I find this stimulating. Yeah, but, like... Correlation doesn't imply causation, Seclignum. See what I did there? You said that. Now I'm saying it. <laughs> Circle of life, man. Yes, but whereas Sateri's accusation rests entirely on temporal evidence, my rebuttal shall invoke pure logic. <laughs> the bevel, you say? It's devil! Mr. Carmichael admitted that in the ignorance of his first day here, Clarence Goodson made mention of his surprise in seeing blue eyes in this part of the world. Yes, yes, all right. Hold on, whoa, all I said was... Quite, Mr. Goodson, but what in fact was the effect of those supposedly innocent words? Let us posit that I am the only blue-eyed... Oh, really now? Yeah, seriously, shut up, guys. We're all adults here. Let us posit, say I, that I am the only blue-eyed Carmichaelian upon hearing these words. I scan the whole village and see no other blue eyes, surmise that Mr. Goodson must therefore be referring to me, and kill myself at midnight. Fairly straightforward, hmm? Now let us increase N, the number of blue-eyed Carmichaelians, to two. 
I, as one of these two, see one and only one other blue-eyed person. I might assume that he is the one Mr. Goodson was referring to, and that he therefore has an obligation to kill himself at midnight. But the next day, if he does not kill himself, I must assume that he also saw a blue-eyed person and came to the same conclusion that I myself did. Since this conclusion could only be reached in clear sight of a blue-eyed person, and since he is the only other blue-eyed person I see, I must therefore assume myself to be the second blue-eyed person who prevented his suicide on day two. But since the two of us have now logically concluded the color of our own eyes, we are obliged to kill ourselves on day three. Wait, back up. Shall we now extrapolate for n being equal to three? I think we shall. I see two blue-eyed people, and I logically deduce the situation for n equals two playing out between them. But, after waiting three days with no deaths, I must logically assume that both of them were expecting the n equals two case to play out, therefore invoking a third blue-eyed Carmichaelian, therefore implicating myself. On day three, if no one has died, we three must logically all die on the next day. Do you see now how it is simply a matter of scale? Each additional blue-eyed Carmichaelian increases n by one, and in each case, all must wait an additional day to determine whether they also have blue eyes. But it does not matter how far you scale, the logic holds. For any value of n, the suicide of all blue-eyed Carmichaelians shall take place n plus one days from Mr. Goodson's foolish statement. Therefore, I submit to you that he is in fact the culprit, the genesis of this tragic mass suicide. Yeah, I buy that. Logically, it holds up. Ooh, okay, hold on. That makes no sense. I just said I saw blue eyes. They could all see there were blue eyes. I didn't introduce any new information. All right, pipe down, taker of souls. You did kind of introduce new information. Before, uh, it's like everyone knew there were blue eyes, but after it was like, you know... Everyone knew, everyone knew there were blue eyes. It's like common knowledge. Proof by induction. Seglignum kind of dropped a logic bomb on your ass. No, but see, Arles, damn you, you've just confused them. Listen, if I made them kill themselves, then it was God's plan that they... Clarence! My God, Clarence! Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Whoa, nice shot, Sateri. Well... I'd been aiming for 50 friggin' days. Clarence, look at me. You're okay. One little arrow just a little bit through your heart. Larissa, my love, don't give up on them. His voice is fading too fast. We can't hear him. Stay. Do God's work. I'm sorry. I heard get on the next ship? Yeah? Go home? Everyone heard that? Oh, no, he's dead. Not dead. Listen, Professor, I was a little hasty. Sorry about that. Bygones, my dear Sateri, shall henceforth be bygones. Friends? What? No. What is wrong with you people? Hey, hey, Sateri, all right. Come on, be cool. Professor Josh, Larissa, listen... I don't want to sound like a douche, but um, might be cooler if you guys sort of skedaddled. Oh, now, now, hold on. This was Clarence's crime, and his alone. Yeah, no, no, I get that. But half the tribe's dead. 
That's gonna take a little while to get over, you know? Do you know how much I've sunk into this enterprise? I am gonna lose a fortune! Yeah, I hear you, and that sucks. I get it. On the other hand, check out Clarence. Dude looks dead. Not dead. You're killing it, Clarence. Now, check out Sateri. Bitch looks pissed. I don't know about you guys. I'm seeing a ship sailing away with all y'all on it and everyone got big smiles. Now picture that with me. Chief Habeas, my friends and I are going to take our leave by our own choice. Whatever you need to say, man. Give my husband a proper burial, won't you, Chief? A Christian burial. Still not dead. I will, darling. I will learn to love someone else. And so, dearest diary, we departed from that sweltering abyss of madness. My only thoughts were of the cool, intellectual embrace of Cambridge Library. I could hardly contain my joy as we watched the ship emerge from the horizon, and then, once on board, prepared to watch the coastline and these terrifying peoples thin into it. I'm sorry your prospect is an overturned figgy pudding, Mr. Carmichael. Yeah, well, we Carmichaels are nothing if not resilient. Yeah, I'll bounce back, always have. Heck, they're lost, am I right? Of course. Uh, they've given up the chance to learn about, um... Deep fryers. Yes, deep fryers. And uh, keeping one's pinky up. And moonshine. The pride in doing a hard day's thankless work. Com- compound interest. Bureaucracy. Guns. Monarchy. Dang it. Indeed. Dang it. The Curse of the Azure Eyes was written by Joseph Beebe. C.H. Arles was played by Leet Stetson. Since I arrived yesterday... Yesterday? I'm, I'm suddenly Cockney. This is what I imagine he sounds like. Joshua Carmichael was played by Joseph Beebe. Sateri was played by Isabel Canaan. Clarence Goodson was played by Anthony Botello. Larissa Goodson was played by Zara Jestat. Chief Habeas was played by Hayden Finkelstein. I'm seeing a ship sailing away with all y'all on it, and... <laughs> oh, how douchey is that that I just made myself laugh? Ophiuchus was played by Grace Smith. The Turquoise Salesman was played by Robert Murphy. Duotang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater is produced by Joseph Beebe and Theater Doubletake. Duotang Chesterfield wants to know... Did you follow any of that logic? Because because Duotang Chesterfield did. He he just wants to know that you know what it... So, you know, if you could explain it as though he he didn't understand, then he'll know that you got it, and, and that would be great. So, go ahead and do that at duotangmysteries.com. And don't forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>